I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, figgins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit penfed.org slash powercash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Senior Director of Charts at Billboard. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Welcome back. The first Pop Shop of 2019. I have not physically seen Katie in the flesh for weeks. Here I am. So weird. I'm still here. I've been here this whole time. Shh. <laughs> I've been right here. Not according to Katie's publicly available Instagram. Oh. Which... You've I was, I was, I took a trip from LA straight to Stars Hollow. So exciting. <laughs> and Gilmore Girls is totally music relevant because they had so much music in their show. Oh. And Sebastian Bach was a regular character on the show. Best believe they were playing that Carol King music. Just, da, if you da, da, I will da, follow. Da, da, da. Well, as always, <laughs> um, <laughs> the Billboard Pop Shop podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop. Gilmore Girls, Carol King, even her daughter. Uh, what is the name of Carol King's daughter? I've simply forgotten. She's the one who sings it with Carol in the theme song. Didn't know that. Not much of a Gilmore Girls fan, <laughs> are guess you? Guess not. <laughs> um, and all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. This week, on our very first show of the year, we've got news about the Coachella lineup being revealed, Justin Timberlake, the Golden Globe Awards, Halsey, 21 Savage, and Baby Cal's favorite, Baby Shark. Do, 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 do. <laughs> um, but first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. So let's get things started with the biggest headlines over on Billboard.com, which of course includes the 2019 Golden Globes. They kicked off this year's awards season with its broadcast on Sunday night. Uh, Keith, did you watch? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Well, then I'll just tell you about it. Sorry, no, I, I wasn't. I wasn't in this country. I was in London still. They didn't play it. They don't play it in London, or they may have. I guess what time would have even it been? Would then? have been like a five-hour difference. Yeah. So it, I was asleep. Yeah, I think what's okay. happening. Okay, I'm sorry, <laughs> but I well, mean, I've heard about some of the you know eye popping surprise highlights. Yeah, so we thought we'd talk about some of the key music and music adjacent wins. Uh, the first being that Bohemian Rhapsody won Best Motion Picture Drama, and Rami Malek won for Best Actor in a Motion Picture Drama for his portrayal of Queen frontman Freddie Mercury. Okay, according to the. Um, you know, Oscarologists and award soothsayers that I follow, like Gold Derby, and even, you know, Scott Feinberg over The Hollywood Reporter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody winning for Best Motion Picture Drama was a surprise. Yes. I guess Rami Malek was kind of maybe possible. Less to, of a surprise. Right. But evidently the movie winning, like, whoa. Well, if anyone pays attention to movie critics, you know, the New York Times, LA Times, etc., <laughs> did not... Uh, necessarily give glowing reviews to this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of the reviews weren't bad. It wasn't saying it was a bad movie. It was more that it was a really basic movie, you know, kind of a paint-by-numbers music 
uh, biopic. Mm. Uh, but I know people who have seen this movie multiple times. Like, go back to the theater to see it because they were so blown away by the concert scenes and, and Rami's performance of Freddy and um, just said what a fantastic rewatchable movie it is so hmm. it's like the critics might not have necessarily agreed with the audiences on this one and the golden globes typically favors the more audience friendly things than the oscars so True. we might not see this win best picture next month no. and when i say might i feel like we won't <laughs> but i mean i say that now and watch me my words in february but um yeah so but it won here and uh everyone was very excited and it was not without scandal, of course, as well, because the listed director on this movie is Brian Singer, mm-hmm. uh, who has not done any press for this movie because he was unceremoniously fired from the project about two weeks before they finished wrapping. Right. But he is the director of the movie. He wasn't even at the Golden Globes. Was not at the Globes. Apparently, he reacted on his Instagram, just thanking the Hollywood Foreign Press yeah, he, for... He posted a picture of himself, you know, in a director's chair on the set. <laughs> he was there. <laughs> he was there, indeed, directing for the bulk of the film. So, yeah. Um, um, but, yes, yeah, so most people involved in the film sort of avoided the question uh, after the big win, but didn't take away any shine from the fact that uh, the movie and... Rami won the big prizes of the night. Hmm. Uh, another huge win and a uh, uh, pop shop favorite, of course, is that Shallow from A Star is Born won for Best Original Song, awarded to, of course, pop shop guest himself, Mark Ronson, and also Lady Gaga, the star of the film and uh, the performer with Bradley Cooper, and then Andrew Wyatt and Anthony Rosamondo. So I feel like a lot of people thought this was going to happen, but it's pretty exciting that it did. And it really bodes well for uh, them heading into Oscar nominations, which yeah. we'll get to. Um, Maybe you should save save the Oscar part, but yes. Oh, I can save win. the Oscar part. Were you going to talk about Gaga and Glenn Close, that whole thing? No, go for it. Well, how Lady Gaga was nominated for Best Actress in a Drama and everyone for Star is Born. And she was up against, you know, obviously four other women, one of which was Glenn Close for The Wife. Mm-hmm. And I think most people assume that Lady Gaga had this in the bag. Maybe even Glenn Close. Maybe even Glenn Close, (laughs) because when she was announced as the winner, she looked gobsmacked. Gave an amazing speech. Evidently, Gaga was the first person out of her chair to give her a standing ovation when she was announced. Glenn Close, I guess, stopped on her way up to the podium and said, you know, exchange pleasantries with Gaga. Um, Someone, and I don't know who wrote this, said... Evidently, the Globes didn't even think Glenn Close had a shot at winning because they pushed her so far back. The wife table was yeah, a little far the back. Wi- the wife table was a little bit far back <laughs> at the Beverly Hilton Ballroom. <laughs> so she had to make her way up to the stage, and it took a while. But yeah, everyone was shocked that Lady Gaga didn't win because if she would win anywhere, it would be at the Golden Globes because the Globes have a history of being friendly to kind of pop and rock stars. And, and, and massive celebrities. Yes. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and I mean, Madonna won for Evita, so... Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, they not, like rubbing elbows, but they did. They awarded her the prize for Shallow. So it's like, yeah. we gave you something, so come to our party still. <laughs> so, yeah, please come to the party. So, but, but people are wondering, like, wow, considering that the Golden Globes happened the day before Oscar nomination voting opened. Ooh. Will, and everyone, you know, a whole bunch of Oscar voters just saw Glenn Close gave this amazing speech. Mm-hmm. Will that... Maybe they'll revisit The Wife or maybe visit it for the first, first time, time since it's not a, a massive movie this year. And this could maybe give her some sort of speed and Definitely some extra momentum. I mean, I'm sure Gaga is still a bat. Like, this totally has a nomination in the bag for Best Actress. I hope so. I I want Gaga all over those Oscars. Yeah. Um, uh, continuing okay. with our music wins, uh, Justin Hurwitz won Best Original Score for First Man. 
Uh, he also won Best Original Score for La La Land and Best Original Song for City of Stars at the 2017 Golden Globes. So um, he's been up like here him. before. They yeah. love him. <laughs> Every time he's been nominated, he's won. Um, and uh, that, of course, is directed by Damien Chazelle, who he's done all of his other work with. He also did Whiplash. And uh, that first project that Damien Chazelle did that I can't remember the name of right now. That one. That one. Um, Finally, uh, Pop Shop frequent guest, Glee alum, Darren Chris, Super friend of the podcast. Super friend of the podcast. uh, He won Best Performance by an Actor in a Limited Series or Motion Picture Made for Television for the Assassination of Gianni Versace, American Crime Story. And that's the end of your acceptance speech time because we've just said... He just said all the words. All the words (laughs) that we could possibly fit into 30 seconds. I was so excited for him. Like, I've never met him before, Keith has always done all the interviews that we've done with him for the pop shop, so I haven't even spoken with him. I feel like I'm hogging the Darren. I'm well, I sorry. just I just felt personally like pumped when they announced his name. It was a, it's such a cool thing for him, you know. What an awesome thing for his career and. Um, anyway, are there any more like awards left that he can win for this? Was he nominated <laughs> at the SAG Awards too? Oh, good question. Um, Probably. That's at the end of the month. It's Jeez. the last Sunday of the month, so uh, we'll see. The the blockbuster awards do those still exist <laughs> no the answer is no <laughs> mtv awards like best on-screen villain um weird yes because they did change it to the film and tv awards last oh, year true. so it 100 could be yeah there you go <laughs> um so you know keith actually sent me a little fun fact maybe keith well, keith can share this oh okay yeah well so uh, we were talking about shallow winning best original song and it made me because I'm always fascinated about who gets nominated for Best Original Song at the Academy Awards and how does the Globes, how does a win at the Globes kind of factor into that? Well, in the last six straight years, so previous to this year, uh, the winner of the Globe for Best Original Song has gone on to be nominated for the Academy Award for Best Song. And four of those Globe winners also won the Oscar. So that looks pretty good for Shallow. Yeah. So I sh- mean, at least getting nominated. At least getting nominated. Yes. Um and, you know, if it does get nominated, that would give Lady Gaga her second career Oscar nomination uh, following her Best Song nomination alongside Diane Warren for Till It Happens to You from The Hunting Ground. And, of course, Gaga could have – she could be a double nominee this year like Mary J. Blige was a year ago mm-hmm. when Mary J. was nominated for Best Supporting Actress for Mudbound and also um, for Best Original Song for, for Mudbound as well. So, Yeah. Well, we had Mark Ronson on the Pop Shop. Sounds like we're going to have to ask Miss uh, Gaga to be on the podcast if she gets nominated for that Oscar. Gaga, if you're listening, <laughs> we're here. Uh, so let's uh, let's just talk about the fact that, let's see, nominations will be announced on January 22nd for the Oscars, okay. and the telecast will be on February 24th. Um, feels like Shallow is a shoe in for a nomination and a very high chance for the win. Do we think Gaga is getting this acting nomination? Yes. I do, too. Yeah, I mean, I think, though, she it's weird in some years where it seems like, like last year, if you look at sort of Oscarology. Yes. Um, you know, a lot of people kind of assumed that, you know, you, you like sometimes in some years, some actors or actresses have kind of like the win kind of forecasted for them way in advance. Yeah. And Glenn Close throws a wrench into things. Yeah. But it, it will have to see how, you know, who wins at the Screen Actors Guild Awards. Yes. Who wins at the BAFTA or who gets nominated and wins at BAFTA. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, sort of the progression of how kind of the tide turns. Right now, it looks like Olivia Coleman has a good shot from The Favorite. She won a Globe. Yeah, that's what the other thing you need to think about with Globes versus Oscars is that the Globes are able to nominate 10 actresses yeah. because they do five in drama, five in musical or comedy. Therefore, 10 chances to get nominated. 
uh, and the Oscars is a much more limited field. So, yeah. um, well, we'll be paying attention to all that, and we'll bring you all the news, all the Gaga Awards news. Yes. There's a great article on, on Billboard.com called, uh, it's all about shallow season, and it's all the opportunities shallow has to win more awards in the next three months, written by... Former Pop Shop host, Jason Lipschitz. Frankly, I, we could be talking to Gaga on the red carpet of the Grammy Awards where Shallow is nominated. In two of the major categories. And that's before the Oscars. Yep. So uh, let's move on to the uh, Coachella lineup, which was just announced last week. We have to talk about this lineup because there's a huge pop star among this year's headliners. Ariana Grande was announced as the Sunday headliner for this year's back-to-back weekends in Indio, California, joined by... Childish Gambino on Friday night and a left field pick of Tame Impala for Saturday night. Very weird. Um, you know, I think it could be a huge moment for them. If it, if it is a moment moment, it could put Tame Impala into a new uh, level. But it's very much asking them to rise to that level because, you know, you're talking about the spot held by, you know, Beyonce last year and these huge megastars Quick, going in. name actual hit by Tame Impala. I, I can't name a hit by Tame exactly. Impala. But because I actually straight up did like a deep dive into their songs last week when the news was announced because I was like, do I even know a Tame Impala song? Do you? I know a song written by Kevin Parker called Perfect Illusion by Lady Gaga. <laughs> Kevin Parker of Tame Impala. Yes, who's done a ton of work with uh, huge pop stars, including, I mean, he did a lot of work on Travis Scott's uh, Blockbuster album from last year. and um, the, you, World. He's worked with uh, a lot of people you know, if you don't know Tame Impala. Would that mean that a Tame Impala set list would involve Travis Scott and Lady Gaga showing Exactly. Up? That's kind of like, maybe that was the talk with the Coachella organizers. Like, does Travis show up? Does, you know, whoever show up? Does Mark Ronson show up? Do the people who've worked with Kevin multiple times show up? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird booking. It is. But it kind of feels like, you know, being sandwiched by Childish Gambino and Ariana Grande. It's like, here are your big names and hopefully you'll stick around for this thing too. And they did... Uh, I forget who it's going to be, though. They did. They might do the thing um, where, like, apparently they put uh, Solange at the same time as oh, yeah. somebody last year. Ugh, yeah, I mean, the, the headliner on each the headliner on each day doesn't necessarily mean that you were playing by yourself. There's there could be exactly. another there could be a competing stage across the lawn. That has if you're you Beyonce, it. it does mean you're playing by yourself. But if you're somebody, <laughs> you're somebody else, you might not be. Like so, it basically, I'm pulling it up. Who oh, Sol- it's Solange, Solange this year. Oh, the the example. I forget who he was going up against, but apparently the first year of the weekend played when he didn't headline. Mm-hmm. They put him uh, at the same time as that night's headliner, and everyone kind of treated it as like, oh, it's like the weekend's pseudo headlining. You know, the mm. the pop fans are going to go to that weekend set. And, you know, whatever rock band or whatever played against him, you hmm. know, are going to go to that. So, so we'll why, see. Why not just make Solange the, the top? A headliner. The headliner. Why, don't, why not make her the top? I mean, I would artist? argue that Solange and Childish Gambino are kind of on par. Obviously, Childish Gambino has had a number one Billboard Hot 100 hit. Yeah. But they both have had, like, you know, these big, major, critically, you know, praised albums and have been around it's, as long. It's got to be some sort of politicking machinations in the background with Tame Impala. We don't know. I could not they be share rolling my eyes harder right now. Who knows? Anyway, so a uh, fun, fun fact that Ariana will be the youngest ever headliner, not just female headliner, youngest ever headliner at Coachella ever. And um, she's obviously carrying the mega pop mantle for the fest after Beyonce's incredible Beychella set last year and Lady Gaga's performance the year before. I think Ariana is more more overtly pop than probably any headliner they've had. Lady, right. Ga- Lady Gaga and Beyonce are on a different level in terms of kind of their 
like their pop cultural superstardom. Yeah. Ariana is obviously a pop star. Yes. And she's obviously had probably the, the biggest year of her career in yes. the past year. But she is not at that Beyonce Gaga level where you just feel like they're on like a different orbit. Um, and you Maybe know they've trans- after they, April, and they've transcended pop stardom, mm-hmm. and they've just become this sort of entity, yeah. which I know sounds really goofy, but hmm. it's kind of like you know when you talk about someone like you know Madonna or Michael Jackson, they're no longer a pop star. Beyonce is no longer a pop star; she is just Beyonce. Ariana isn't just Ariana yet. <laughs> Maybe she will be in the next year or two. So this is a really, I think it's a really interesting booking, and I think the next things you say, I will have something to say about them in response to it. <laughs> well, say. so many people saw that there was a rumored Coachella lineup that came out a few months ago that had Childish Gambino as one of the headliners, but then it also included Kanye West and Justin Timberlake, both of whom are nowhere to be found on this lineup that came out last week. Hmm. Um, so the word on all of those kind of shifts is that Kanye... Um, his negotiations allegedly, reportedly, fell through due to the limitations of the stage design he wanted. Oh, he, he always he can't float over the crowd. Exactly. He always wants to go big with his uh, big and weird with his stages, and uh, for whatever reason, maybe just timing and whatever, Coachella wasn't able to accommodate what he wanted to do. The name of his new album is Big and Weird. Big and Weird. And then uh, Justin, when I first saw that he was rumored, then all of the vocal cord news broke about how he was uh, having to cancel all these shows on the man. Of the Woods tour, and it turns out apparently rescheduling the Man of the Woods tour ended up being the thing that kept him from Coachella because all these rescheduled dates, some of which are in Southern California, now run into Coachella's like non non compete clause. They have a whole there's a circle drawn around Coachella, and an artist cannot perform within that circle within a certain time frame before and after Coachella because they want it to be a big draw. Right. for that artist to be in that region at that festival. So Justin has a rescheduled show that is somewhere within that circle within that time frame. Exactly. Um, so you kind of look at it, if you're just kind of like looking at what got replaced for what, it's like Ariana took the pop slot from JT when he wasn't able to do it, and Tame Impala took the weird slot <laughs> when Kanye wasn't able to do it. Does Kanye Does Kanye and Ariana still share Scooter Braun as their manager? Um, I know Ariana still has Scooter. Does Kanye still have Scooter? Let's pretend that he does. <laughs> okay. Then, you know, maybe that could have been... The Scooter slot? The Scooter slot. <laughs> or, like, maybe... Bieber could have been there? Maybe, like, Kanye, like, that would have been interesting. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I, that wouldn't be that weird, I think, at some point. Maybe not this time. It's so weird how Coachella has just evolved so much over the years in terms of the, the artists they book as their headliners. So I was telling, I was giving the history to my brother-in-law the other day who was kind of like asking whether it was weird. Over. No, he was just asking if it was weird that Ariana was there. And I was like, you know, honestly, the big the big breakthrough in that front, I think, would be, I, and I'm going to maybe get the year wrong, I think it was 2007, was when Jay-Z was a headliner. That was the first time there had been a hit pop headline otherwise it was just like rock 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 rock. all rock i mean the last the year that i went to the last full weekend that i went to was 2006 and that was like tool and muse or something you know what i mean like that's what everything was then and so jay-z was the first kind of breakthrough headliner and people lost their minds Mm. then kanye did it i think the year after that or i'm not sure if he headlined first or was like a second tier person first but you know toward the top of the lineup and then it was just kind of like i think gaga kind of opened the pop floodgates but beyonce was booked initially and gaga took her spot so it's like beyonce being booked 
opened the door and then Gaga was the first. A- anyway. Yeah, Beyonce being booked but then having to bail, Lady Gaga stepping in to replace her um, really. And probably Coachella seeing the audience reaction and seeing the ticket sales and seeing mm-hmm. positive vibes from that made them think, okay, well, maybe we can tip our toes a little bit deeper into the pop f- field. Exactly. That does not necessarily mean that every pop star is an automatic. Like, I don't think like necessarily like Shawn Mendes would be appropriate for Coachella yet. Right. But I could see them booking him lower down the bills right now. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. But I, but yeah, not a headliner yet. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's such a weird kind of it's just a, it's just a, I and mean, that's why there's so many festivals, but Coachella has a very specific kind of lean, bent, tastemaker thing going on with yes. them, you know? Yeah. Anywho, we could talk about Coachella forever. Well, and speaking of Justin Timberlake, uh, you know, we mentioned his vocal cord issues. While he has now returned to his Man of the Woods tour, um, he is back on stage and uh, he returned Friday night. He posted an Instagram on Sunday that said, feels good to be back. And that was in D.C. And then two... Wait, let's see. Oh, he didn't play for two months. He was on a two-month hiatus from performing due to bruised vocal cords. Um, The Man of the Woods tour rebooted on Friday night in D.C. and continued Sunday night with a gig at the PNC Arena in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, It was initially delayed in late October when Timberlake canceled a show at Madison Square Garden in New York, explaining that his vocal cords were, quote-unquote, severely bruised um, and saying, I'm going to make this up to you. Other postponements followed, and JT shared an update in early December, noting that he was on the mend and the doctors had recommended he hold off on singing until January. Here we are. He's back. Good grief. <laughs> um, so you're going to go see him again, obviously. You know what? I haven't seen Man of the Woods tour yet, so I see him again for the first time. Um, yeah. I just realized I'm missing parts of my notes. Well, here. Take my notes, then. <laughs> Um, you yeah. Have a page after that? No, you don't. No. It's, this, luckily, this is still you. Here you go. Nope, it's you now. Oh, it's me? You're going to go into that. Oh, I am? <laughs> oh, it's right. Okay. Jeez, Jeez Louise. I'm not prepared. Um, all right. Well, let's hit three of the biggest headlines on the charts. First up, we've got a new number one on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart as Halsey's Without Me climbs two to one. It's her first number one as a lead artist and her second chart topper overall following her featured turn on The Chainsmokers' Closer, which spent, oh, you know, just 12 weeks at number one (laughs) back in 2016. Fun fact for Justin Timberlake's superfan Katie, Halsey's number one brings Timberlake to the top as well. Correct. As a songwriter. Yes. uh, Without Me interpolates Timberlake's Cry Me a River, which was co-written by Timberlake, of course. In total, this is Timberlake's sixth number one as a songwriter and all of his previous leaders as a writer were with songs that he also performed. Timbaland's up there too. Yes, yeah, so I was focusing on Timberlake. <laughs> I was focusing. I was focusing on the timber that you kind of care the about. Timber. The, the one, Tim. One Tim at a time. Yeah, come on now. <laughs> uh, next up, the holidays are over with on the charts, and I'm very sad about that Aww. because I could just sort of roll around in Christmas for a while. Um, as the latest streaming and sales charting weeks. Uh, were the first full weeks that captured post-Christmas activity. So the more than 20 holiday songs that were on the Hot 100 a week ago have all packed away their decorations and have run back up to the attic, so to speak, (laughs) uh, until next, you know, October, November, whenever you start decorating. And then over on the Billboard 200 Albums chart, where there had been dozens of Christmas albums on the chart, uh, there are just two holiday sets left standing on the entire 200 position tally um 
Now, Katie had to give me all of her copies of the paper, so yes. she, doesn't, she doesn't have this. Can you guess what two albums, what two Christmas albums are left on the chart this mm, week? Well, I know Mariah fell off the Hot 100, but is an album still up there? Yeah, Merry Christmas is still on the chart by all Mariah. Right. And then, I don't know, Pentatonix is always hanging around. Buble. Buble's. Yes. Buble's Christmas. <laughs> They're both still on the chart. I mean, at the very lower down on the chart. Of course. And obviously they will collapse. But I think that shows you kind of the staying power of Buble and Mariah and those those songs from those albums, even, you know, in the days after Christmas. So people probably were still playing Christmas music on the 27th, 28th, 29th, leading up to New Year's, you know, as they were getting out of the, getting out of the Christmas vibe. Yeah. Um, and the only, the, the songs that showed the most, you know, kind of stick aroundness were Mariah and Michael. Always. Oh, we need a Michael and Mariah. Oh my God. If they did a duet's Christmas album, the entire universe would fall in on itself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bring it on. Well, in turn, uh, because holiday stuff you know, flies off of the Hot 100 and the Billboard 200, both of those charts are flush with lots of movement as many songs and albums re-enter the chart thanks to the departing holiday titles. And a lot of tunes and albums move up the chart, too, because now there's a lot of space you know, freed up. So, you know, when you look at our charts this week and everything looks really super wackadoodle, that's why. So one of the songs that takes the place of the holiday tunes on the Hot 100 is Baby Shark. Uh, The Gone Viral Children's Song by the South Korean educational brand Pink Fong debuts at number 32 on the chart thanks largely to streaming activity. Now, the song probably would have debuted a couple weeks ago on the Hot 100 had it not been for all the holiday titles clogging up the works on the chart. So, you know, I mean... Would- it's one of these things that it had to break into the top 40, or it could have it could have been, like, number 90 if it was. Uh, good question. Okay. I, I- wonder just because of the number 32 yeah, debut. Yeah. Um, check, uh, check our story on this okay. on Billboard.com. Go to Billboard.com for that answer. Don't quiz me right now, Katie. <laughs> I'm, I, there may be something to that, but I'm not quite sure. Okay. Um, but for, like, holiday titles, like, for example, like, old titles, and this may have affected this, but check again check our story um for older holiday titles like you know mariah carries all i want for christmas is you 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 have to have enough points um to re-enter the top 50 to get onto the chart otherwise we'll just have a whole bunch of old crap on the chart forever and then it wouldn't really reflect what's new and hot yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) um we have to have rules somehow exactly um over on the billboard 200 albums chart three albums actually return to the top 10 post malone's beer bongs and bentley's climbs 11 to 4 Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse soundtrack, Web Slings 13 to 5, <laughs> and Drake's Scorpion rises 14 to 6. And all three of those are taking the place of uh, holiday albums that were in the top 10 a week ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mariah Carey's Merry Christmas, Nat King Cole's Christmas Song, and then there was some other Christmas album in the top 10. That Buble. Probably, yeah. I think Buble was probably in the top 10, too. When in doubt, Buble. Um, lastly, while we're still talking about the Billboard 200, we've yet to mention what's number one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's actually rapper 21 Savage's I Am Greater Than I Was. And the greater than is actually the greater than symbol, just to make it. Just remember that from math class, yeah. of course. Uh, which holds atop the tally for a second week. It debuted at number one a week ago. It leads a hip-hop heavy chart as the entire top seven on the Billboard 200 are rap titles for only the second time ever in the chart's history. Wow. It last happened back in August when the entire eight top eight, top eight (laughs) were rap efforts. Just eight. Pick any eight you want. Um, It's the magic of streaming for you. Rap can really do a number uh, on the charts thanks to streaming. And now it's time for the chart stat of the week. 
Though in reviewing the incidents of my administration, I am unconscious of intentional error. I'm nevertheless too sensible of my defects not to think it probable that I may have committed many errors. While we were gone on holiday break, well, holiday break from the podcast, right. not holiday break from work. We, I was working the entire time. Um, there was some pretty big chart news. Former President Barack Obama decided to drop a single on us. And you know what? It actually charted. One last time, the 44 remix by Christopher Jackson, Barack Obama, and B.B. Winans. Crazy. Debuted at number 22 on the Hot R&B Songs chart dated January 5th. The song is actually a reworking of the track One Last Time, as originally heard in the Broadway show Hamilton, an American musical. In the revised track, Jackson sings while Obama recites a passage from President George Washington's farewell address. So the song, like the core of the song is still there, but they kind of like refashioned it and kind of did new music around it for this new version of it that has now President Obama doing the Washington part. Hmm. So... You know, it's interesting that you have an actual president uh, reciting yes. our first president's farewell address yes. in a show that is all about American history. I don't know, it's just such magical. <laughs> um, Obama and Hamilton, of course, go way back. In 2009, the show's creator, Lin-Manuel Miranda, performed the song Alexander Hamilton at the White House during the Obama administration. Miranda later wrote the musical Hamilton, which premiered off-Broadway in 2015, And went on to become a cultural phenomenon, spawning a smash cast album that is still on the Billboard 200 chart this week, and winning multiple Tony Awards, a Pulitzer Prize, and a Grammy Award, among other accolades. Uh, The cast of Hamilton returned to the White House in 2017 to perform one last time with Jackson and Miranda as a farewell to Obama. So, Obama now makes it a full circle moment, joining one last time. So there you have it. President Barack Obama (laughs) minted himself a hit on the Hot R&B Songs chart thanks to his turn on the new remix of One Last Time. Man, when that press release came in, I was like, what? (laughs) What? Obama, what? Uh, I mean, how, how, how many people can say, like, yeah, featuring, you know, like, I've got a collaboration with Obama. Who's gonna Who's gonna line up Donald Trump for their song? So many options. <laughs> so many uh, options. I'm waiting for like a Michelle Obama like feature. Oh, that could definitely happen. I mean, she sort she kind of had one with that. This one's for the girls. Oh, that's right. But she, she like, wasn't on it, it. Right? Yeah, she she was like involved. EP'd it. Yeah, she didn't have a proper credit on it, which sort of you know frustrated me to a bit because I really wanted to see her name on the charts. Right. But anyway, I could fall into a hole about, you know, seeing the Obamas on the charts or seeing, frankly, presidents on the charts, because that's not something that's very common. No. Like, uh, there was a whole bunch of John F. Kennedy um, albums that charted on the Billboard 200 following his death, mm. like a lot of commemorative albums mm-hmm. and like the day he died mm-hmm. and, you know, probably things that, in, that had audio of his speeches. But it wasn't and like... And presidents have won Grammys before as certainly. well. Um, uh, Barack Obama has, has won one or two Grammys. Mm-hmm. Bill Clinton has won a Grammy. Hillary, well, Hillary Clinton, who is not a president, obviously, has won a Grammy. Um, Jimmy Carter's won a Grammy. Uh, yeah. Donald Trump has not. <laughs> there's still time. You never know. It's, there's, it's, it, there's still possibilities. <sighs> okay, any parting words, Katie, for our no. first show back in the 
brand spanking new year. I feel like we should go out with the Michelle Obama produced This One's For The Girls. See you next time. <laughs> Bye. This is from my